Welcome to Parenting in Acadia, a podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Good morning, parents. Uh, welcome to Parenting in Acadiana. I am today's host, Amy Broussard, and today I have a special guest with me, Sensei Micah Lopez, and we're going to be talking about self-defense. But first, Sensei, I'd like you just to introduce yourself and talk about um, your dojo and what you guys do at, at your dojo. Very good. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it and this opportunity. Um, so again, my name is Micah Lopez. I'm the owner of Cajun Karate. Um, I've been doing martial arts now for 30 years, and uh, I've been owner of Cajun Karate for half that time, about 15 years, and uh, wife and four amazing children. And and uh, this is really pretty much all I've done my entire adult life is teach martial arts. And uh, God has blessed me with this opportunity 15 years ago to open a Christian martial arts facility. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what separates us from everyone else. You know, I believe any martial art is a great martial art. But whenever you can put God first in all that you do and make him a part of your business, it just it can take you to a level that no one will ever see coming. Yeah. And uh, we've been given that opportunity, and it's really great. Um, my martial arts career, like I said, started when I was 10. After my first lesson, I told my dad, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he was like, son, you've, you've had one class. I said, I know, Dad, but I want to own my own karate school. I want to teach karate. I want to be a sensei. And so um, my mom was like, oh, that's great and all, but I feel like God's calling you to be a preacher. That's what he told me in a dream. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to be a ninja. Well, I guess now I have the opportunity to be a little bit of both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get to, uh, and the way, the way the Christian element comes about in our school is that I have a word of the week every week. Um, you know, this past couple of weeks, we were talking about God's purpose for our lives. And, and uh, on our Cajun Karate Facebook page, I also post a little weekly lesson that just kind of lets people know um, if parents uh, unfortunately can't sit in the class because they have other kids, they got to have to get to other activities. They can see the weekly lesson on our Facebook page, what we're going to be talking about all week, you know, two to three minutes at the end of every class. As you well know. Yes. Awesome. Yep. Both of my yeah. boys uh, go to Cajun Karate. They love it. Mm-hmm. They are green belts right yes. now. Yeah, yeah. Close to purple. They're, yeah, they're very close to purple. They have a lot of studying to do yeah. before they can get there. But yeah, it's a, a great school, um, which is why I, I asked you to come on. One thing that I think I'm going to ask you to clarify, just because I know there are many, many, many forms of martial mm-hmm. arts. So right. can we talk real quick about the form that you teach yeah. at so, your school? At my school, I actually offer three different things. For the children, um, we have... Keichudo Karate, which is the 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 term Keichudo literally translates to mean to entirely devote oneself to the way. The the word do at the end of it, we capitalize it as a proper noun because John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So that's the kind of Christian element that is uh, introduced into the style of karate that we teach. And then I also teach uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is a grappling art to mm-hmm. adults and children. And then um, a friend of mine, uh, we started about about three years ago. We formulated, almost four years ago, we form, formulated a company called Shepherd Defense Systems. But it was about 15 years in the making of a defensive tactics curriculum that I teach uh, civilians, law enforcement, and military. 
So over the years, I had a lot of people come to me and say, I want to learn self-defense. Mm-hmm. You know, mostly adults, primarily women. Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, well, I have a great karate program, but they don't want to put the pajamas on and come <laughs> three, four, five times a week and, and invest in like a martial art, maybe just because they don't have the time as a mom. So I developed this program specifically designed to teach you exactly what you need to know in order to defend yourself. Um, so I kind of shaved away a lot of the traditional elements of the martial arts and created this program where it really makes self-defense very simple and effective. I think the self-defense program is really what sets us apart from other martial arts schools because I've invested so much time and energy and effort to develop a a system that makes it simple for children to defend themselves against bullies and adults, but in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and that's really primarily the main focus of why I do what I do because I want to keep children safe. I mean, unfortunately, uh, sex trafficking is a huge, mm-hmm. huge issue. Mm-hmm. You know, Baton Rouge is a port city mm-hmm. and we're only 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the traffic and construction away. Right. right. So, um, it is a it is a reality that we have to face nowadays. You know, times are changing. When we were kids, we could stay out till the mm-hmm. streetlights came on, and then we had to go home, and our parents or they just go out and call, and as long as we could hear their voice, we were good. Nowadays, you know, parents shudder to think about letting their kids ride their bikes in, in their neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, can we talk about a couple of maybe tips that parents could share with their kids or, or just to stay safe, some things that um, parents can do for their children? Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, we have these little rules. We call them survival rules. Um, they're not new to us. A lot of martial arts practice them, um, but it's, it's basic rules that you can teach your children. First, we, we teach them who a stranger is. A stranger mm-hmm. is not just someone they don't know. We kind of have a little addendum. It's someone they don't know and their parents don't know. And the only way someone is not a stranger is if the parents introduce you to that person. Because then you know mom and dad trust them. And uh, there are going to be times where, you know, a grown adult that they kind of know. Maybe someone they see at school, but that's not directly their teacher. Or someone from around the neighborhood that they wave to on a daily basis. Well, might be that person that you have to watch out for. And if they, if the children don't know that, well, my mom and dad haven't actually told me this person's not a stranger, but then that person approaches and is like, oh, hey, how's it going? And they probably know the kid's name just from hearing it in passing around the neighborhood. Then they can start to fabricate a story and, and lure the children away from home. You know, there've been multiple missing children cases where years later, the remains of the child's found three doors down from where they live. You know, it's just those are the kinds of things that break my heart and kind of drive the the purpose behind our school as to why we do what we do. So we created um, years ago some survival rules. Now that they know who a stranger is, we have very simple ones that I'm sure every parent has probably told their kids at one point in time, never talk to a stranger, never take anything from a stranger, never get in a car with a stranger, um, never give a stranger name, address or phone number. Never let a stranger take a picture of you. Um, make sure that uh, we even had to kind of talk about like online, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because now, you know, never talk to a stranger online, which is getting harder and harder because of video games and things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just on TV where you have a 14, 13, 14 year old 
who's duped into trying to meet someone or telling someone where they live, thinking that it's someone their own age and it's a grown adult who then takes advantage. Right, right. So, um, you know, never go to a place that makes you feel weird is another one. Mm -hmm. They might be at a friend's house and their friend might be like, hey, let's go to this person's house. And you don't know that person. And then, you know, now you're... Your child is kind of put in an uncomfortable situation because they maybe feel weird about doing this. So having this encouragement in this rule to say, you know what? No, I don't want to do that. And to be able to stand up to their friend. That's important. Um, and then we talk about other things that kind of to take those rules on a little bit deeper level. For example, you can create a code with mm-hmm. your child if they go to a friend's house. Um, a lot of times... They'll, you know, especially in today's society, younger children have iPhones or ways to get in touch with their parents. Um, I know my children, when we send them off to a friend's house, they have their little iPhone with them. And uh, if for whatever reason they need anything, they can call us directly from their phone or text us. And I'm not going to tell you what our code word is for our family. <laughs> a secret. Right? But they, if they text or say these, this word in their sentence, then we know there's something uncomfortable there and that we need to... No questions asked, go pick them up. And that way it gives them that security where maybe something is happening. Maybe they're at a friend's house and then an older sibling arrives with their friends and then they're doing or saying inappropriate things. And it it makes my child feel uncomfortable, but they don't want to lose face in front of their friends. Send a quick text with the code word in it and on my way. That will be our response. And we get in the car and we go pick them up immediately. We call the parents of the home, say, hey, something came up. I need to come pick up my child. And then now it's on us, right? Mm -hmm. It's not them losing face in front of their friends or I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. We show up and say something happened. Obviously, your kid's not going to fight it because they're the impetus for for you showing up. So they're like, oh, okay. Well, thanks for having me over. And then you leave. Then you give them the freedom to discuss it. Are you hurt? Do I need to call the police? You know, those are things that I would ask my children. Yeah. Fortunately, I haven't had to do this. Because we also vet the right, people right. that we're going to send them to right. to spend the night or whatever. But it's good to have it in place. And, you know, we give them the, you would at that point want to give your child the freedom to discuss it at their comfort level. Mm-hmm. And preferably it would be nothing to discuss because it was just a feeling they acted on. You encourage that, you know, in, in my mind, I would be taking them to get ice cream or something positive to reinforce that. Hey, you know what? That's awesome. I'm yeah. very proud of you. Yeah. Well, you brought up a great point. Um, maybe not so much for little kids or middle schoolers, but when you have a high school age child, you might be able to vet their friends and their parents. But once they're able to to drive or they have a little bit more freedom and they go to the vetted friend's house, they could then potentially go somewhere else that you you of somebody that you don't know you haven't vetted you don't know their parents so um having these discussions especially whenever they have a little bit more freedom um i think is so important i mean it's important for the little kids as well but you know as, as parents we do our best to keep them safe but we also have to make sure that they understand that they have to keep themselves safe too at some point absolutely yeah and and that just comes through communication Mm-hmm. And being a, a parent that's responsible for your the safety of your child, but there comes a point in time where, you know, yes, when they're young, you are direct their direct safety net. 
Mm-hmm. You go to the park with them. You take them places. You overwatch. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point in time where you have to draw back a little bit and allow them to spread their wings and to gain that freedom. As a parent who has their child in karate, I'm sure it makes it a lot easier because you know that they're being built up in a foundation mm-hmm. where they are not afraid to speak up if they notice something. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have this, you know, I a lot of times, for, especially for the younger ones, I pretend to be a stranger. And I say, hey, kid, come see. I, I lost my dog. Or, hey, I have this toy. And you know, I'll ask them, what's your favorite toy? And, oh, you know, superhero. So then, hey, I've got this Thor action figure, whatever. And mm-hmm. they scream fire and they run. And we have the kids scream fire because... A lot of times if someone yells help, eh, people ignore it or oh, someone else will help them more. I mean, I've several times taken my children to the park and um, i sitting down watching them play or I'm playing with them. Usually I run around chasing them, especially when they were younger. <laughs> um, and uh, I hear help, help. And I turn and I look and it's some kids off at a different part of the park playing freeze tag. Oh, One of them's yeah. frozen and he's yelling help. So, of course, when I heard it, I immediately started looking. But then I noticed that every single adult around there was in a book, in conversation, in their phone. And not a single person even batted an eye at a kid yelling help. Yeah. But when you yell fire, people, I think, you know, subconsciously, everyone's a a pyromaniac. (laughs) They want to see fire where? Right. I don't smell smoke. Where's the fire? I don't see a fire. And they at least will, will look up. Right. And then that could, you know, be the impetus to call someone to take action, whether it's just to call 911 or get up and approach the person that's accosting your child or whatever it may be. So, and then of course, you know, I physically engage them where I'll practice grabbing them. I teach them how to escape from a grip mm-hmm. or I'll pick them up and they hit a target and like poke the eye and squirm free and then take off running. And I mean, you've seen it in yeah, action, but yeah. for the people who haven't been to Cajun Karate and it's actually pretty effective and as they get older the way i attack them increases in intensity mm-hmm. and their response is mirrored yeah. and uh, and and that develops in them a confidence you know when we train we always win and so there's never a time where i am a bad guy or the stranger and your child doesn't get away mm-hmm. because in their mind they always win yeah and i you know i teach the children these very four rules fundamental rules of self-defense they have to be aware they have to be mentally prepared they have to be technically proficient and then they have to have an element of physical fitness and when they have those four elements in which we really go into in the self-defense portion of their training and explain each one they begin to develop confidence not just physically but mentally and emotionally as well yeah it is, it's really cool to see in action uh, because it's very specific. I think with the getting out of a grip, if you don't practice it, if somebody grabs your arm or grabs your wrist, there's a shock value. There's that split second where you completely freak out if you're a little kid. Sure. And at, at some, and even in the training, you see them struggle, do what, do what comes naturally, and then their training sets in and they remember, oh, yes, I'm supposed to do this technique or twist my, my wrist in this way. And that's what works. And, and what's great about the techniques we've developed is they are all based on the human's natural startle response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the ones, you know, as a, the white belt beginner level, you'll see them struggle for the first couple of times because if someone grabs you immediately, you want to pull instead of rotate out of the grip. 
Mm-hmm. Well, after a little bit of practice, you know, especially the ones with more time in, they um, they have that muscle memory that kicks in. In fact, uh, it was funny because just this past Saturday we were practicing some self defense and I grabbed one of my yellow belts as a surprise. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. part of the class, and I just grabbed him and picked him up because he was a little too slow to run, and he immediately just went to pop me in the eye. I was obviously expecting something like mm-hmm, that, so I was mm-hmm. able to not get popped in the eye. And uh, and then, I, you know, of course, I, I made him squirm free, and he got down and he ran with the rest of the group. About a, two minutes later, he raises his hand and he says, Sensei, I didn't even realize what I did until I was running away from you. Yeah. He says, my muscles just knew what to do. Yeah. Because you, you, you caught me by surprise. I said, well, that's a perfect example. This is from a seven-year-old. I was like, that's a perfect example of why we practice the way we do. Because now your brain was freaked out, but your muscles remembered what to do. Right. And it kicked right in immediately. And a lot of times people don't realize it's, you know, the longer you, the the quicker your response time to the attack, the higher your success rate of getting away. Mm. Believe it or not, we're going to break a cardinal rule of radio. It's called dead air, right? <laughs> but honestly, the normal reaction time for an untrained person is 8 to 10 seconds. That would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And now someone starts putting up an attack? I mean... That's a long time. It's a long time. That's a long time. Whereas someone who has the proper training, you know, you're talking... At worst case scenario, two to three seconds, mm-hmm. if not an immediate response, because maybe they saw them coming out of their peripheral. And, you know, we train scheduled and unscheduled events. A scheduled event would be, let's say, um, let's look, talk about bullies for a second. Mm-hmm. A kid's at school, and if they follow their training protocols, they see a kid or they know, you know, children are not dumb. They know who the ones that are, are that are bullying them. Mm-hmm. and. And so maybe they see that person beginning to approach them and they feel uncomfortable. Well, we teach them, you know, an engagement is not necessarily a physical engagement. It could be a verbal engagement. Their hands come up in front of them and they yell, stop. I don't want any trouble. Yeah. And they yell that really loud. I mean, you've heard them yeah. yelling in your class. Yeah. Yeah. Number one goal is to get the teacher's attention. And when the teacher hears someone yelling, stop, and they immediately hear, I don't want any trouble, that automatically in that person's mind paints the picture of who's Who's the defender and who's the aggressor. Mm. And so now you have a child who has got their hands up pointing at the potential bully. Mm -hmm. And now that bully has to make a choice. Well, do I continue to tease and to progress Mm -hmm. and escalate it into a physical activity or do I just say, hey, man, whatever, back off. And then and then they back off. Mm-hmm. If the bully chooses to escalate it, then they have a second layer of verbal attack. They back off. I said back off. And they yell it really loud and intense while keeping that distance between them and the bully. So if you can just have this mental picture in your mind of your kid with their hands up, open, like in a pushing gesture, like both hands out, extended, and telling someone stop i don't want any trouble and as they try to get close enough to hurt them they continue to back up and create that space and say back off i said back off Mm -hmm. you know at that point you know probably a good 15 to 20 seconds has passed now you got all these kids Mm -hmm. maybe on the playground who have heard 
Some of them might even start yelling, fight, 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 whatever. Now the teacher knows and mm-hmm. the teacher's approaching and they see the posture. Right. And they see what's going on in the split second the, the image is made in their mind. Who's the offender? Who's the aggressor? Yeah. If it does come into a physical altercation, I do not teach my children to punch and kick people to defend themselves. It's not necessary. You know, God calls us to love our enemies, to mm-hmm. do to those who hate us, pray for those who hurt us, and bless those who curse us. So ultimately, I teach the children, if you have to defend yourself, you don't necessarily have to hurt them in order to stop them from hurting you. Yeah. So I've created a unique system of defensive tactics or self-defense where the the child learns how to, what we call in the martial arts world, clinch up or grab the other, you know, their Mm -hmm. attacker, grab the bully in such a way as to prevent them from being able to harm them. Mm -hmm. And then from there they can take them down and then get away. Yeah. And even the takedown in and of itself is not a slam. And so it's just a very quick and easy way for your child to not get punched in the face, to not get pushed, uh, to not get choked, to not get put in a headlock, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, any way that the the bully were to assault or grab your child, they have a response to put them in what we call our reference point and they get to that reference point. Now they can do the takedown and escape. Not once did they ever punch or kick. The bully stands up. He dusts himself off. He's no worse for wear. Because the last thing we want is that child to create an enemy. Yeah. Right? If you humiliate and hurt that bully in front of his peers, then now he might want revenge. Could be worse. And yeah. in that moment, you defend yourself, but maybe now they want revenge. So later at a different time, you got that bully and a couple of his friends, yeah. and they've been waiting for an opportunity to catch him alone. So that's one of the main reasons why we teach the defense that we do for the younger kids mm-hmm. the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, you know, I explained earlier who a stranger was, but this is all predicated by the fact that I explained who a bully is. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach them that a bully is not just a kid who wants to hurt you. Maybe when that person was younger, they were bullied. Mm-hmm. And now they thought, well, when I'm bigger, I'm going to make people afraid of me. And if they're afraid of me, they won't hurt me. So they kind of become a bully to not be bullied. Or maybe their parents argue at home all the time or they're in the midst of a divorce. This child emotionally does not handle it and they think it's their fault. So you say one thing that triggers them and the next thing you know, they take it out on you. Or, um, you know, maybe they're insecure with who they are Mm -hmm. and they're jealous of you because you make good grades or you're a better athlete. So now they want to get the spotlight off off of them so they tease you causing people to laugh at you. And then now they think in their mind, well, everybody is laughing at what I say and the attention's not on me, it's on them, but these people must like me. They're my friends because they laugh at my jokes. Yeah. And so none of those things make make those children evil children, right? <laughs> they don't even make them bad kids, they're just good kids making bad choices. Yeah. And sometimes those choices are being formulated by the circumstances of their environment and they don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, teaching your child to defend themselves, to not allow anyone to physically hurt them yet at the same time, not retaliating by hurting them. Yeah. You know, back in our day, you put up your dukes, you pop them in the nose and it was all good. Yeah. 
But nowadays, you know, let's take that scenario painted a little earlier. Your kid does punch or kick to defend themselves. Then that kid goes home and they know where their dad keeps their gun. And then they come to school the next day. Now what? Right. But if you defend yourself, you teach your child to defend themselves without inflicting harm on another person at school. Obviously, it's going to be a have a better result. Right. And then it gives the teacher time to step in. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about that whenever they're thinking about how should my kid defend themselves at school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, keep in mind, this is dealing with bullies. Mm-hmm. Right. When I talk about a stranger, someone who would what, try to kidnap or steal a child, that is an evil person. Yeah. You do whatever it takes to defend yourself. And yeah. I make that known to them. Yeah. Because... You know, as Christians, we have to stand up for righteousness and we should not allow anyone to physically harm us in any way. So, and that's kind of, I guess in a nutshell, how the, the self-defense portion of the program is designed for, with the bullies and strangers being the two major categories. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a great system, a great program. I mean, again, I, I get to see it in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things just as a parent uh, that I thought was really cool was the teaching them the the auditory responses mm-hmm. just because for for the bullies, the stop, I don't want any trouble, and then the back off, I said back off, usually that will allow them to get the teacher's attention, like you just said. And, you know, the teachers are there to protect the children. They want, they they don't want bad things to happen to them at school, but when there's one teacher and, you know, 50 kids on the playground, they can't be everywhere at once. And to be able to know that if they say that, then help will be on it. Then, then it calls attention to the situation, helps coming, it's on, it's on its way. Right. And the, the cool thing be- about what we've developed is it's been vetted. You know, I've been teaching this for 30 years, and there are natural physiological elements that go into play. Whenever someone's startled, mm-hmm. uh, you catch that bully by surprise. You know, we call it the IPA, Identify, Plan, Act. The bully has identified you. They're enacting their plan or they have a plan and they're acting it out by verbally accosting or approaching you mm-hmm. or, the bull, or your child, for example. So when we have a response, stop really loud. Catch them by surprise. I don't want any trouble. What happens is you startle that bully. You short-circuit their little Mm. IPA loop right there. Mm -hmm. But your kid, because of their training, they were aware of the bully. They knew exactly what to do because karate has mentally prepared them. Their certain criteria were met. In their mind, they know exactly how to handle it, and they act upon it. So your kids identify, plan, act, little loop Mm -hmm. starts happening faster. Yeah. And it short-circuits the bullies, and it's... A legit physiological response. We call it the five negative effects of adrenaline. You basically adrenalize the bully. It's decreased blood flow to the brain, which causes what we call a tacky psyche theory. How many times have you been in a verbal altercation? And then after the fact, you're like, man, I should have said this. I should have done that. And then uh, loss of fine-tuned motor skill, auditory exclusion, and tunnel vision. So all of those kind of elements can negatively have a negative effect adversely affect a person in a high stress situation Mm -hmm. you know as the defender we we yell stop because we want to release that adrenaline dump so we can continue to function Mm -hmm. and fall into our training and then 
cause an adrenaline dump in our opponent, which will induce those five negative effects, one or all of them, which will give pause. And now they're they're running on their they're working on on trying to manage that adrenaline, short circuiting their thought process, and then our children's plan takes effect. Back off, I said back off as they're trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And at that point if they just turn and run, a lot of times the bullies just kind of caught standing there, uh uh thinking trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Because they have been negatively affected by the by the adrenaline that your your child introduced into the system with an unexpected response. Yeah. Short circuiting the bully's plan, essentially. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a very technical, well thought out <laughs> plan well, of a not plan of attack, but Well, it's plan of action. Plan right? of action. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's, that's because the best word. Ultimately, you know, self defense doesn't begin the second you physically encounter someone. Mm-hmm. Right now, like I said, there are those unscheduled events where maybe that bully just throws a headlock on your kid. Yeah. Or they catch them by surprise. Yeah. That's always going to be a close quarters attack. We teach the children how to escape from those close quarter attacks to get to that reference point, to get them to the ground, to get away. Mm. It's all a process. We'll even do drills in karate where the defender has to close their eyes. And I select one or two kids to walk around the room. Everyone else has got their eyes closed and they just attack whoever they want at random, however they want. In one of those close quarter Mm -hmm. grabs, headlock, bear hug, over or under the arms, uh, guillotine choke rear choke, you know, uh, two hands on the neck kind of choke, grab their arms, start pulling them, uh, maybe give them a shove, Mm -hmm. and then that alerts to the danger, and then they try to punch them. And, of course, it's all done in such a way. And the beautiful thing about karate is is the self-control and the discipline of the students that the bully understands that even though they're pretending to be the bully, they get to be a little mini sensei and help their friend to be successful. Because remember, when we train, we always win. Yeah. And that muscle memory kicks in and they're helping to build each other up while it appears that they're beating each other up. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all very, very supportive done in a really supportive way. Okay. Well, this has been really great. Super helpful. One thing before we wrap up that I really like to always ask everyone is what is the one thing that you want parents to know about this topic, about talking to your kids about self-defense, if, if they learn one thing, what, what's the thing? I think if they were to learn one thing, it would be that it is a reality in our society. It's not something you only hear on the news or only see on TV mm-hmm. or only happens out of state. We, we used to be able to say that till Mickey Shunick was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to say that till there was a shooting at the Grand on Johnson Street. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we shouldn't even have that as part of our vernacular. That, oh, it could happen to someone else. This is your most prized possession, your children. And if you don't have any children, yourself, right? You mm-hmm. are God's greatest gift to you. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to understand that we need to invest in protecting what's important to us. And I'll say it again. And a lot of times people are like, are you crazy? Any martial art is a great martial art. I know a lot of great martial arts schools in town. I have a specific type of way that I teach, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that it's the best for everyone. I encourage people to seek out some type of training for their children or themselves to be able to have that that safety net, that security blanket, if you will, of knowing 
my child at least is educated on what they should do in a volatile situation. I love it. Okay, so real quick, why don't you tell people where to find you, website, Facebook? Um, We have a a Cajun Karate Facebook page. We have a a website, CajunKarateLafayette.com. You can call me at 337-216-0334, or you can Google Cajun Karate Mm -hmm. Lafayette, and it has our address. We're at 133 Digby, right in front of Como High School, between Como and Verat School Road Construction. Mm -hmm. Please bear with us. (laughs) There is... The beautiful thing about our location, n- number one, God God fulfilled a dream in my heart by allowing us to purchase that piece of property and build a 9,200-square-foot facility that is dedicated just to Cajun karate. We're not in a shopping center where who knows what you're going to see when your kids walk in and out. Right. And if anyone who pulls up on that property doesn't belong there, I know. Right. And so that's great. Um, but you can get to us from Verat School Road, Camellia, Ambassador, or Kali Saloon. Yeah. So thank you, Jesus, for all of the access. When when one way is closed, he'll open up others. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And parents, um, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Parenting in Acadiana podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.